Hi, I'm Deirdre Belden and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. Our hopes that things might get a lot better after the May Bank holiday have been crumbling in recent days. And it's now clear there's little let up in lockdown in the offing. We have a plan to ease restrictions from the 18th of May. But before that, we need two more weeks of tight restrictions to weaken the virus further so it doesn't have the strength to make a comeback when we start to interact with each other again. Jennifer Bray is political reporter for the Irish Times. Jen, on Friday evening, Leo Varadkar addressed the nation again on coronavirus. And as expected, very few restrictions are to be lifted on May 5th. What were the easings announced by the Taoiseach? Yeah, so like you said, the, the changes will be quite minor, cosmetic if you want. So the difference is that the two kilometre travel limit will be increased to five. And for those over 70s, or people over 70 who've been told to cocoon, they will be allowed out to exercise within that five kilometre limit, the same as everybody else. Um, but the difference will be that they will be asked not to come into contact with anybody else. So that means kind of not stopping and talking and, and just go about your exercise and, and get home immediately. Um, for all other things, the current restrictions remain in place as it stands until May the 18th. We've now heard there's a detailed roadmap for the opening of the country from May 18th, as you say. What will happen on that date? So on May 18th, which is uh, two weeks time, even the changes that are made at that point, they'll be they'll be small kind of cosmetic changes again. I think the bigger changes that we'll see will come later in the summer. So this plan that uh, Leo Varadkar has announced, it's, it's a five phase plan and it begins, like you say, on May 18th and it goes all the way up on, until August the 10th. So in the early stage, uh, the small changes that I mentioned will be anywhere up to, up to four people who aren't in the same household will be able to meet outdoors. So you've got three friends or four friends who'll be able to, three friends able to come up to your house, outside to your garden, um, but you must maintain social distancing. Uh, there'll be changes in terms of funerals. Uh, sorry, funerals will still be a maximum of 10 people, but the changes will be in relation to outdoor workers. So outdoor workers can return in terms of construction, um, gardeners, those working on allotments, um, and there will be no real change in terms of business. Remote working will continue. Uh, there will be more shops open in terms of garden centres, hardware stores, uh, some opticians, bike repairs, phone repairs, um, and we'll see perhaps some tennis courts and golf courses reopening, but that will be with strict social distancing. He was effectively pleading with us for two more weeks of strict lockdown, wasn't he? He was. And you know, the I think the the style of address that the Taoiseach gave uh, outside government buildings was much the same as he's done before. He has a kind of a clinical way of talking. Um, I suppose that reflects his medical background. Um, and he was talking a lot about how, you know, the, the there could be a second wave of this virus. But he did kind of say he acknowledged that many people he said, are lonely. They're enduring the pain of isolation, as he said. He said people are grieving in silence. So he did try to uh, convey an empathetic message. He talked about many people worried about being losing their jobs, uh, about business, about people who uh, have lost their lives, in fact. So, you know, and he said he wanted to explain why we need to uh, extend these measures for two weeks. He said we have made great progress in, in, in terms of where we've got so far, but we're not there yet. Uh, and that's why there's only been very small changes up until until May the 18th. So the style was the same, quite clinical, quite direct, uh, an attempt at empathy. I think some people might feel that it's falling a bit flat at this stage because a lot of people are becoming fed up. A lot of people are, um, 
suffering from fatigue from the restrictions and, and perhaps they would have hoped to have heard maybe a little bit more from him. As you say, Jen, both the style and substance of Leo's address were very interesting. There was a great deal of empathy for people who were lonely and people who were struggling with their mental health. And he cited contacts he had from five different people uh, and, and described some of their situations and, and described in almost lyrical terms a time when we will all meet again in summer gardens. So on the 18th of May, Ireland begins to reopen and begins that journey to a new normal. Not long from now, some summer night, we will see our friends again. This was very much an attempt to put a human face on the struggle and an effective communication was essential. Did he and his speechwriters judge it correctly? I, I think only time will tell. Uh, for, in the immediate instance, certainly from, you know, you'd have friends and family who contact you after a speech like this. People don't seem to react quite as well to it as they did the last time. Um, but he did try and make it more about about the person who he talked about, how he had parents in mind who were really struggling to kind of juggle work with homeschool, talking about young people who aren't seeing their friends, couples who've had to cancel weddings, grandparents who um, haven't been able to see their grandkids and, and talking about how everybody has a story, um, but that the restrictions are worthwhile and that because we've started this and we have sacrificed so much so far, it's it's worth continuing. Uh, it remains to be seen, to be honest with you, if, if that message is in any way uh, enough. Um, I think that from contacts I've had with uh, senior government members that they're really concerned that in outlining this this roadmap, this plan, that they're setting out the different steps, but people will see how far away some things are down the road and they'll progress to phase five when they're supposed to be in phase one. So there's a real kind of fear that it doesn't really matter what kind of message the government put out, people are going to get fed up and that's going to be a real challenge over the next few weeks. What's the idea behind the phased approach and how much better do we understand it from Leo Varadkar's speech? Yeah, I think the idea behind the phased approach is basically so that we don't see a massive jump in the number of, of cases. The This reproductive number that, we, that we've heard so much about, the OR number, that is really, really sensitive to movement. It's really, really sensitive to people moving about. So uh, even small changes can have a really big impact on that. And uh, and the number itself might change uh, very in a very small manner, but that has a huge impact on the number of cases that we see. And that in turn determines whether our health service is overrun. So the thinking behind it is very small changes to restrictions actually have really, really big consequences. So if they set out this plan whereby you can see the whole idea from start to finish, that maybe there'll be better public buy-in. Um, and, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. But uh, I know certainly from friends and, and family, uh, you know, they were looking at when pubs and, and restaurants and, and cafes were reopening. But mainly they were way beyond that, more importantly, wondering when they can see each other again. So we know that in the second phase, which begins on June 8th, people will be permitted to travel up to 20 kilometres uh, from their home. But there are questions about whether this means that you can, if you if you have a family, if you live in Dublin, you have a family member who lives in County Meath, will you be able to go and see them? Does that apply the 20 kilometre rule? And how is that fair for those whose family do live within 20 kilometres? So I think these will be the questions that we'll, we'll see drilled down to in the coming days. You have to bear in mind, you know, the roadmap was only really published this evening. There's a lot to digest in it, to be honest. What has been the political reaction so far? Most parties have welcomed the publication of it. Uh, I note that the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, 
uh, wanted clarity on the leaving cert. And this will be a big issue because if we if we don't get to the stage whereby you can have two weeks of classroom time for these students where you can't give them clarity at, at the start of June, I'd say you have to think that there'll be very big questions over the leaving certificate actually happening. Um, so he had questions on that. Labour leader uh, Alan Kelly, he welcomed the, the, the roadmap. He said parts of it were quite vague. Um, he said that he would like to see uh, public health um, permitting the three-week uh, gap between the measures reduced to two. So right now, it's it's it, restrictions are eased every three weeks up until August the 10th from May the 18th. Um, and he said if it was possible, it would be good to shorten that down. I think he's probably thinking at the fore of his mind that people are already a bit fed up with the measures. How will they feel by August the 10th? Um, so there, there are some of the initial reactions, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty more uh, from those party leaders over the weekend. Thanks, Jen. Next up, I'll be speaking to Irish Times health editor Paul Cullen to discuss what this roadmap means for the weeks ahead. Paul, you were at the later briefing with Simon Harris and Tony Holohan. What was the message from that? Yes, um, the briefing was given by the Minister for Health and, and the Chief Medical Officer Taoiseach wasn't there. Um, the message really was that uh, this roadmap is part of a conversation uh, with the population uh, setting out the different phases that we may go through that the roadmap is subject to change depending on how we perform in curbing the virus and that the details of how this will all play out in specific sectors such as education or retail have yet to be spelled out and probably will be done so um, over time and by the ministers in those areas. We have been very closely following uh, public health advice so far and there might have been some expectation this time that a gap would start to emerge as pressure grows to open up the economy. But it seems Neffet is still calling all the shots, isn't it? Yeah, there have been uh, reports of tensions within Cabinet and there is an increasing chorus of uh, dissatisfaction or impatience perhaps with the uh, measures that we've been living under for the last few months understandably perhaps but in questions at the briefing it was made clear that the recommendations made by Neffet this morning have been followed um, to the, in their entirety by the government there'd be no tweaking or anything like that so effectively um, the message is you know oh lord make me open for business but not just yet uh, with the only two exceptions being the change from two kilometre to five kilometre radius that you can move and the slight easing on the cocooning measure. Both Simon Harris and Tully Holland were, were at pains to point out that the roadmap was the start of this conversation uh, about how the different sectors would, would return to normal. Um, but they pulled back from huge detail on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the question begs lots of questions, understandably particularly if you're doing the leaving cert, if you're getting married, if you're running a pub. In every sector of society, it begs questions. Um, and the specifics are not filled in. And as the minister kept referring to the document as a living, breathing document, what I took from that was that it can be changed. Um, it can be changed depending on our performance, whether it's above or below what we expect in terms of curbing the disease. But Mr. Harris also talked about there being a conversation. For example, he was asked about the situation in relation to pubs and um, 
whether they could reopen and why they might have to reopen later than restaurants. And he said, well, the government is open to hearing proposals from businesses about how they might reopen and get back to some kind of normality um, and yet comply with the rules on social distancing and the other main measures. And we saw that absence of detail as well in relation to arrangements for the Leaving Cert. So the advice uh, coming from Neffet is that uh, schools will not uh, open till September or October um, and it'll be up to the Department of Education to put in place arrangements for uh, Leaving Cert exams scheduled for the end of July. Where does that leave Leaving Cert students? So what we know now is that um, there had been talk of perhaps students going into school and one day a week and so on. That seems to have been scotched. Um, there is clarity that schools will not be filled at any point between now and the autumn by students from any other year. And Mr. Harris said that perhaps that gives some clarity in terms of schools, in terms of their planning for the exams. And the indication from the chief medical officer was that perhaps if I understood it correctly, that if schools can manage to comply with social distancing, if the sector can um, socially distance students in doing the exam in particular schools, then um, there should be a possibility for the exams and there will be a, the exams will go ahead. But it was left uh, to um, Minister for Education, Joe McHugh, to clarify. And it's not clear just yet when that will happen. But I imagine uh, a lot of students will be clamouring for th that clarification to be given as soon as possible. Is there much evidence um, that this plan has been coordinated with the North? There is a section in the plan about All-Ireland cooperation and um, again, both the Minister and the Chief Medical Officer made much of the context that have been made uh, with their counterparts in the North. However, this is our plan now. We don't see an equivalent plan for the North just yet. Um, there is a narrowing of the roads taken by the North and the South, it has to be said, after some pretty bumpy months where um, the governments in London and in Dublin went their different ways in their approach to this outbreak. Um, but uh, it remains to be seen really whether the somewhat um, general aspirations set out in the document uh, result in a concrete All-Ireland approach which everybody in the public health area agrees is necessary in order to effectively uh, curb the spread of the disease and reduce the number of cases on both sides of the border. What are the indicators that might cause us a reversal from, from one phase to the previous one? So uh, we often talk about testing, contact tracing, ICU occup occupancy and so on. Um, and how strongly positioned are we to meet these targets? Yeah, I think um, Tony Hulhan was uh, singling out uh, in particular ICU occupancy as a key determinant of um, how we're, we're going to be doing as we advance through the plan. Um, that good news for there is that the, the number of patients in ICU beds now uh, with COVID-19 is down to just about 100 from a high of about 160 a few weeks ago. So that trend is promising. Um, the public health officials still find it worrying uh, the number of new cases we ha are having uh, and the fatality um, figures, although they're influenced, of course, by what's happening in the nursing homes. Um, and then when you combine all this uh, um, work and you come up with this or or not number, you know, the reproduction number, which is the number of 
if you have an inf infected case, how many other people that person infects. And uh, in the early stages, we, this was up at two or four in, in, in the Irish context and is now down well below one. It's uh, between point five and point eight. And I think that's the cumulative measure that they will be using to see how we're getting on and suppressing the virus. Um, if we can get that further down. So at the moment, we have about, if you leave aside the nursing homes, we have up to 200 new cases a day. And Tony Hullohan admitted that many of these, we just don't know what the source of infection is. So we really need to get that number down. Uh, you, you wouldn't be drawn on a figure, you know, uh, it was asked, well, you know, if we got it down to 50 new cases a day, would that be good enough? So they're not being drawn on figures, but they will be measuring the graphs to see that the, the lines on those graphs are going consistently down downwards, uh, especially over the next three weeks before the easing phase starts. Thanks, Paul. With the latest announcements, we're facing a summer of restrictions. Trish Murphy is a psychotherapist and advice columnist with the Irish Times, and she has some tips on coping with the extended period of lockdown. Trish, it's the beginning of May, and we had hoped to be hearing that a major easing of restrictions was imminent. However, it's not to be, and we're facing into further weeks and, whisper it, months of highly restrictive living, potentially. Mentally, this is a massive ask. What's your advice for getting through it? Gosh, the advice is, is hard to bear because I have to take it on myself. <laughs> so it's, it, this is hard, right? So I think we can be very good for a couple of days and then we can even be very good for a couple of weeks. But to extend that for long periods is quite demanding. You know, it's like, you know, that being your best self for even longer than you can tolerate. Um, so I suppose the first thing is we should all be able to have a little tantrum about it. Uh, get it out, get out the disappointment and the upset and the, you know, the lack of movement and fun. And then we have to get on with trying to make the best of it because that's all we can do is make the best of the situation we're in. Um, and this is, you know, we know ourselves well enough. We should have enough self-awareness to know what gets us through and how we manage. And we also should have enough self-awareness to know what the pitfalls are. You know, some of us have pitfalls where we're, we're, you know, it's hailstoning, so I'm not going to go out today for my walk. And yet you know that going out for the walk actually is good for you and you feel better afterwards. So we often take the easy way out. And I suppose this is one of the times we're going to have to grin and bear it and learn to put into practice what we know works for us and, you know, try and stick with it reasonably. Because I do think we, all need, we also need to break out of it every so often too. So then when we talk about things like uh, routine, people have, um, for, for good or ill, established a bit of a, a routine uh, in, in lockdown. What are the important parts of having a routine? You know, our bodies like routine, our minds like routine, and it's all about creating that so that in this uncertain time, we have some things that we can rely on, you know, like meal times or, you know, times now that I go for my walk, you know, all those kinds of things actually are very important. And I mean, including in the routine, you should have nice things like I read something over with breakfast um, because the routine is certain um, we start to respond to that. Every part of us creates that routine and that habit and it's good. And then we're better able to ha handle the uncertainty and the lack of future. 
So these things are really important for us. And I know they're basic. But as always, if we get the basics right, then we can manage the creative parts and manage the imaginative bits that we might need later. What about the the social element, Trish? Um, that, that is really starting to kick in in terms of people experiencing uh, loneliness and acute levels of loneliness now. So I think we should really try and differentiate between loneliness and, say, depression. So loneliness is a normal human emotion that tries to push us to go out and reach out to other people. And, and we feel it very intensely, and I think that's big. Because as a, as a culture, as a society, we need it to make us connect. Now, intense loneliness um, can be feel heartbreaking, but actually it is not pathological. It means that you are suffering because you're alone. It means that you want to reach out to other people, which is a good thing, but you may have to have patience. But in the meantime, there are probably things you can do. You can reach out to people that you know, you can take the risk and send somebody a text that you might normally do it with. And that requires a bit of courage and a bit of faith in yourself. And I still think it's probably worth it, even if the other person is mean enough not to respond to you. And then when it comes to uh, people's relationships, uh, which is kind of the other side of the coin, people living now in very close proximity to their nearest and dearest um, and that creating all sorts of pressure uh, in itself. What about people who are now in relationships where they feel that it, it, it is in fact impossible to continue? Well, I, one of the things I would say about relationships during this time of COVID, which I suppose we're calling it, is that it's really unfair to judge the relationship on intense coexistence with none of our usual outlets or supports. So I'd be very worried that everybody's judging each other very harshly based on this time. And I probably isn't fair. Um, so if at all possible, I think you should put off deciding whether to stay or go. And um, obviously with caveats, unless things are really bad. But it would be great if we could put some kind of break on that until afterwards. Because this is unusual. This is extraordinary. And the pressures we put on each other are huge. And as we all know, the people we fight with, the people we are irritated by, are the people closest to us. So we take out all our stuff on them, blame them for it. And yet a lot of it might be us, you know, and how we're coping. So I think it's, I think we would be better if we didn't judge it. And if we could, could wait a while um, because it's not really fair. And maybe, maybe we do have something worthwhile, except that the pressures of this time have squeezed it beyond existence. At the beginning of all of this, Trish, uh, we were, very you know target oriented we we got into all sorts of of new hobbies and cooking and gardening and and uh, and maybe even reading and so on um you know several weeks into it um what kind of goals should we be setting for ourselves now i think um possibly at this stage we need to be setting some goals for relaxation and fun and you know patience the really difficult one and um, it's hard to maintain, you know, the level of hobbies and things over this period of time. So there's probably um, lots of discarded DIY projects going on around the place. But it's, we need to be compassionate with ourselves and not give out to ourselves for not completing the task or not doing whatever we said we'd do. Because it's not easy to keep up momentum 
um, particularly when we're feeling uncertain. So I, I, I think we need to, you know, be, be kind to yourself and then you might be kind to other people as well. Um, and stop giving out to yourself for the things that you haven't done or didn't complete. It's okay. It's okay not to do those things also. Trish, thanks very much. My thanks to Suzanne Brennan who produced today's podcast and thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back on Tuesday.